Hi, this is Rachel Bonnet from Country Custom Fabricating, and you're listening to The Builder Sessions. Welcome to The Builder Sessions, a podcast where we chat with your favorite builders. We get to know them, their stories, and hopefully inspire you to get off the couch and build something cool. I'm Hoff. And I'm Rosie. And on this week's episode, we talk with Rachel Bonnet from Country Custom Fabricating. We talk about how she came into the fabrication industry, how she got into the industry because of an important shop teacher, and what she has going on right now, like running a business from home and everything that goes along with that. Please enjoy our interview with Rachel. Rachel, thanks for coming on the show. Ah, thanks for having me. For those of for those of our listeners who haven't who haven't heard of you, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, I have been a welder for well over twenty years. Uh, started in high school, and I've worked amongst so many different aspects of the trade: mining, construction, aluminum fabrication, all of the things. Um, and then I had had a couple of babies and I wanted to be home with them. So I ended up starting my business, Country Custom Fabricating, uh, six years ago. And it's all started with, you know, piles of scrap steel and horseshoes. I was living on a ranch at the time. So it was just more something for me to do where I could balance being a mother and finding my creative side with my passion for welding. So that's all how it started. And as time went time went on, you know, life changed. I got, I had to get a job again. And, and then I'm got to the position of like, Hey, why don't I just jump in, get my business to be a full-time business and, and just see where it takes me. And so I've been doing this full-time running my business out of my one, my one bay shop that's attached to my house for the last two and a half years. And it's, it's just been an incredible journey to, to be running a business and, and being able to do it from home and be home with my kids as well. That's got to be nice being able to be at home with your family and then also being able to step out and go to work and do some stuff and go back and forth, having that flexibility, I bet. It's, it's definitely nice. It definitely has its challenges running a business from home. <laughs> uh, you know, what I do is not necessarily the cleanest of all jobs. You know, my hands are dirty, walk in the house to make lunch and I've got, I'm worse than my kids with dirty fingerprints on cupboards and light switches, but <laughs> I, it's, uh, it's definitely, uh, can be a struggle to find the balance in all of it, but I do feel so lucky that, you know, I get the opportunity to still be, be there in the morning when they leave. And I'm, I'm in the driveway when they're running down from the bus, right? So Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah. And you have you have uh, control of your creative side too, right? You're able to design and make things that you want. Obviously, the customer has stipulations with different things, but you kind of have creative control of what's what you're producing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I get I get some jobs. I think I I'm learning the lesson of saying yes to everything because I say yes to everybody's jobs and and it can be it can be hard sometimes knowing that my vision isn't always my customer's vision. And so sometimes it takes a little tweaking here and there to get exactly what they want. But I, I do enjoy the process of, of helping people create their own ideas, but also taking the time to create my own ideas. Yeah. And, and kind of like putting your stamp, your signature on that finished product. 
yeah. is probably that's is that tough like i noticed on a there's a couple posts ago there's something that you talked about you know like your vision versus customer vision and and how to balance that yeah the handrail yeah, yeah well so- i i think for sure that when a customer comes to me with a a vision in their head and they're trying to explain it to me sometimes you know they're drawing squiggly lines on their cell phone pictures and stuff to to give me that vision and so i think i've grasped what they've wanted and in that particular incident was a hand railing i was building but and they had these kind of funky designs they wanted on the end and it wasn't i built them and i thought they looked fantastic but when i got there she's like ah this just isn't what i visioned and so I can't, I had to learn to, okay, this is a learning experience. I can't take it that I did something wrong. I just have to realize that just because I visioned it that way isn't, doesn't mean that's how they wanted it to be. So I ended up having to change a whole bunch of stuff on that railing, but you know, that's, it is what it is. It, yeah. <laughs> it's uh it was a learning experience for sure. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. That's gotta be tough. Cause I'm sure you've probably, ran into like, oh, well, that's maybe not in this particular situation, but I feel like maybe every every builder, maker out there who does does things like this for for money as a job or for a career, um, in your vision, you're like, that's not going to look great. I don't know. Okay, I'll do it. You know, like the integrity, yeah. your in- artistic integrity balancing with the paycheck and, you know, like that's got to be tough. It does. And, and to not give my I'll give my opinion say well what if we did it this way I think this would be you know this would look really nice this way and sometimes they just have it set in their head nope this is how I want it and yeah and yeah there is it can be hard when I set it out being like oh I really I would have chosen that but <laughs> yeah don't put I, my name on this just say yeah. Yeah, you bought it at Pottery <laughs> Barn or something this yeah this one will stay off Instagram <laughs> yeah <laughs> so when you got started early was there anybody who inspired you to get into this uh into this field or trade or just kind of like, were you involved at a young age in the trades or hands-on work? Yeah, no, my, uh, my parents, my dad worked at a hospital. My mom worked in a medical office. And so they're very far from the the hands-on, like my dad worked on houses and stuff like that and, and did all of the house handyman kind of stuff. But it was truly my, uh, my shop teacher who inspired me to, to stay with it when I was, grade nine, 10, I wasn't the greatest in the academics and I wasn't doing the best in school. And I had to, I had to find something else to help me increase my grades. So I would be sure to graduate. Yeah. And with that, I was just like, you know what, my, uh, my, the counselor that I was working with, he said, suggested I do some, some trades classes. And I said, okay, I'll give it a try. And I did all of them. I did metalworking, woodworking, mechanics, auto body, like anyone that I could do, I jumped in and I started getting straight A's in them. I found I could focus. I found I had a place to put, I'm a busy person. I like to move. I like to yeah. use my hands. And it just gave me that opportunity to realize how, how good I was at that and how that was meant for me. I'm not meant to sit at a desk and, yeah. you know, people do that. And I think that's great, but I knew that that's not something I was bound to do. And so he, he pushed me really hard to stay with it. And he wanted me to be a shop teacher. He said, I think that you would do so great as a shop teacher. One day I want you to take over for the school. And that's always in the back of my mind, but for the time being, I'm like, I just, I still need to do, still need to make and create. And so, um, but yeah, he, 
it was kind of flip of a coin between welding and mechanics. And I am glad I chose welding because it still incorporates a lot of mechanical type stuff. And, you know, I'm always, I'm always interested in learning all the different parts of it, woodworking and all that stuff. So I think it's important to do a little bit in each of the trade before you really decide which, which path you're going to take. Yeah. Yeah. In my experience in teaching automotive and auto body and now teaching welding in high schools, um, the ladies have the higher attention to detail. They're much better welders. They're much better painters. Like no joke. And obviously you're aware of this. Um, where do you think things are in the industry as far as do you think we're, we're making you know good roads to get more females into the trades? I know we have a lot of, lot of work to do there, but what, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, well, I absolutely think that there's been a lot of, of progress for women in the trades. Um, I've been a welder since high school. I, that's, I learned from people just like you, so I have a high level of appreciation for the teachers of the trade in high school. Um, and my teacher was very encouraging. I was you know, the one only girl moving into the in going into the trades in my like whole high school so it was definitely a different field then than it is now but even even what the what's available for opportunities for women whether it's you know grants whatever it is for schooling um even even when it comes down to women's workwear when i was 18 19 years old trying to find workwear small enough to fit me uh, it was almost impossible. And and so now, even when you look at that respect, how many women's uh, workwear companies that there are yeah. to to support women in these things, I think it's it's really incredible. And, you know, I've it, I never felt like it was really a struggle being a woman in the trade, you know, 20 years ago. It was definitely had its challenges, but I think those challenges are still there. Um, just more the comfort level of a woman working with a man in something that's been dominated by men. And yeah. that's, I think that just is what it is, but I, I know they've made it easier um, w for respect to women in, in the trade now. So I think that that's just come such a long way in how the steps are taken for a woman to feel comfortable in a workplace. Yeah. That's, uh, I never, I never thought about that. The, the, yeah, you don't need to go buy like some massive, um, Carhartt bibs and, and swim in them all day, right? Oh. Like I never thought about that being like a barrier too, like something yeah, as I, simple as that. I remember one of my first jobs that I got, I was working for a road construction company and they ordered me the smallest size coveralls they could have, but you know, I'm not a big person. And so I was swimming in them and I was grinding something and the grinder actually got caught in the big bulky coveralls oh. and it, it sliced them to shreds. Like I was lucky it didn't get me, but you know, there's still a safety hazard in wearing things that don't fit you properly. So it's, it's nice to see the availability of things for women now. 100%. I think, uh, and I think the, the tides are changing, um, where before the, maybe I know this was the case for me, same kind of situation. My grades in high school were horrible. I just, I was going to be a mechanic. I decided and my grades were horrible before that. And they're like, okay, well, your grades are horrible. You should go into the trades. Mm -hmm. But I think now that like that stigma of, you know, um, like trades aren't for trades aren't for dummies. Let's just put, no. put it out there. Like that stigma is changing and people, which is awesome because mm -hmm. it's not, it shouldn't be a dumping ground. 
but also look at how you you just applied your intelligence in a different way um, and you flourished and I think a lot of people a lot of the higher-ups are starting to realize that um, Mm -hmm. when our our kids aren't all of our kids aren't necessarily going to university anymore and they're smart you know they still need 30 level math and they still need you know they still need um, some you know, intelligence to, to, to build this stuff, right? Like it's not a dumping ground for, for the, for the kids who aren't going anywhere in their life or anything anymore. Right. Like it's, it's really cool to see that you lived that and you came out the other side, but also you lived something that a lot of people are starting to realize now. Um, it's, it, it, there was no label on it before. Now there's this big push for trades because they're screaming. Right. Um, but like you, yeah, that it's cool that that experience that you had kind of broke that traditional, um, what do you, that mold, you know what I mean? Does that make sense? It makes total sense. I mean, there's a lot of people that can look at, you know, mechanics, plumbers, welders, whatever, and just say like, Oh, well they weren't smart enough. So they became in the trades, but that's not it at all. I think everybody has, Yeah. yeah, everybody has their strengths in what they're doing and you know like a bookkeeper may not be able to change the oil in his own truck right like (laughs) he's got his own they everybody has their own talents in what they're doing and i think that it's so important that people follow what they're passionate about Mm -hmm. you know my my dad wanted me to be a nurse because he thought you know you'll make good money this xyz you'll have all these things covered and i just never could wrap my head around it and didn't always make the most money or make, make the best choices with my money but i was always happy doing it. I was always happy working with my hands, doing what I loved. And, you know, I I am a big advocate for people just to do what makes them happy, what they're passionate about. I think that's so, so important that you get lost in thinking you need to do something to make a certain amount of money or to, you know, move you up the ladder for, for whatever that might be. I think having that passion to do, my dad was the same way, find something you want to do that you enjoy um, if you have to fight through the day because you're doing it for the money, you're not going to have a good career. You're not going to have fun. And there's some jobs where when you're starting out from high school, you're like, ah, you know what? I'm just going to, okay. I don't like it. It's, you know, I might be getting paid lots or I might be getting paid nothing. And then you start doing something you enjoy and you're like, this does not, I'm sure for yourself being, you know, doing your custom fab, there's some days where it's like, I'm not, it doesn't feel like I'm at work because I'm enjoying this. Right? Yeah. That some days it does feel like work, but for the most part, when I'm when I do a job, sometimes I can, you know, curse at myself. <laughs> what am I doing? Why did I take this job on? But then when you see the finished product of something that you've just created, that's where that's where I, what I find so gratifying is is doing a project that is is useful or beautiful or whatever purpose it's going to have in its in its life. I that's that's what drives me is the finished product mm-hmm. and the process probably getting to that. There's probably lots of ups and downs and swearing <laughs> and cussing and yeah. All, yeah. all that type of stuff. So, yeah. um, yeah. And it's all, just, worth it. yeah. Just being mindful that that's just part of the process. Like this part of this stage, like this is the stage it's going to be over and I'm going to get to the next step of it and that's going to feel better. So always being mindful, keeping that, keeping that in my brain that I'll get through this one hard spot and yeah, and then it'll be, and then it'll feel good. That's cool. So this, so that your background in fabrication and your business has obviously opened up some really cool doors for you. Um, mm. And so, it, I mean, I want to, I don't want this to be the focus of our interview because I think you have a ton more going on than just being a person on this show uh, on rust on rust Valley. And as you probably get that all the time, I'm sure. Um, but 
would you mind shining a little light on how that whole thing came to be? How did you get on the show? How did you start working for Dubs? All that kind of th- all that stuff. Yeah, absolutely, it was actually a really a really neat process how that all played out. Um, when I started running my business full time, I had I had known James from Dubs. I knew him from college. He was oh, cool. doing his first year when I was doing my third year, and so. I knew he ran his business. So I actually had popped in there just to ask him to pick his brain about a, a job. And I hadn't talked to him in years and years. And anyways, he just helped me with my business stuff. And then, you know, a year later, he sent me a text message saying, Hey, I got this opportunity to do this work on Rust Valley Restorers. I need help with the fabrication. I know what you do. And I think that it would be great if you could help me with it. So of course I said yes, because yeah. I thought it would be just a, a really cool experience. I think what James does is so different than what I do. It's similar, but different because I've never worked with cars. I did in, in high school doing auto body and stuff, but it never was something I had run into. So any chance I'm given the opportunity to grow in what I do, I'll definitely take it. And so, yeah, he asked me to be part of it. And Within that, I mean, it's so awkward <laughs> having a video camera around you while you're trying to work and, you know, you say something funny and you're like, oh, I got that. It was so witty. And they're like, okay, we need you to say that again, but from over here, <laughs> like, oh, uh, darn it. Yeah. <laughs> Second time around. But, you know, it's, I did two years of it and we built some really incredible things out of that shop. And I learned a tremendous amount from James and he's an, he's an awesome fabricator. He's so good at what he does. He's so knowledgeable. And we both have that, we both have that creative mind that when we're when we're building things together, it just it it flows really nicely because I'll have a suggestion or he'll have a suggestion. And we're able to we were able to build some pretty amazing things putting putting those brains together. So I feel so lucky, you know, being able to to have that opportunity. And of course it helped with my business and and all that, being able to getting my business out there a little bit more was was really good but I definitely I definitely learned a lot on cars that's cool I yeah never, I never thought about that I just assumed I mean my fault there but I just assumed that you know metals metals metal but there's so yeah. many different techniques and so many yeah. different ways of looking at things and that you probably brought a whole fresh take a fresh perspective into his mm-hmm. shop too. That's really cool that you complimented each other that way. Yeah, it was really, really neat. And there's tools that I had that he didn't and tools that he has that I I didn't have. And yeah. so it was neat to be able to, you know, I've been do, I've been a welder fabricator for over 20 years. So you think that well, what else can there be? But there's always something more like these tools that he had for forming, shaping and forming metal in a way that I had never done before was so cool. Yeah. Even using an English wheel, I've never ne- never needed an English wheel before. But having that, uh, having the opportunity to use those and learn how to use them properly, was just something that I'll always have now. That's awesome. Has that has that maybe guided you in some of your stuff? Have you started to take some of that from the skills working with James to now into your own company and learning some of those, and probably vice versa with James too? Like, do you find yourself using some of those skill sets that you learned? into your oh, business yeah absolutely it's it's everything that you know you learn as you go and it's like oh well now I used to do this job this way but now I can do it in half the time this way so it's it's neat having those new abilities I'm hoping to work with James again and you know just do a little more part-time stuff with him just because I do like keeping up 
on those kinds of skills, but I don't think I'll ever be able to let go of my business. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. No kidding. Too much freedom. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Being your own boss. Yeah. So for someone looking to get started in this area, what, what some advice do you have to get into this field of work of metal fab? I just think that, you know, it, you, you got to be confident in knowing that if you don't know it today, you're going to learn it eventually. Like I knocked myself so many times going into a job site, you know, scared and nervous because I didn't know as much as everybody else there knew, mm. but you're, you're going into something, you're learning something new. You got to give yourself a break when you are, are wanting to succeed in something and just have the confidence to know that you're going to give yourself that opportunity to learn it. I think it's so important. Not be too hard on yourself and just take every day, take every day as it comes and slowly grow and get better. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, even finding, finding ways to do it out if you're, whether you're going to school, like I went into college at 18 years old into my first year welding. I went right out of high school, right into college. And it was so intimidating because there were so many things that I didn't know beforehand mm. that I wish I, that I wish I would have. And so if my old, <laughs> if I could tell myself <laughs> what to do back then I would have gone to you know maybe a couple different shops found a couple people who inspired me and talked to them um like I've had a couple girls come into my shop and just spend the day with me high school girls my neighbor's a shop teacher as well nice. um, so he's, he's sent uh sent a few girls my way to to just hang out for the day and be like okay these are the things that I think you should know if you're wanting to get into the trade and that can apply to any trade too mm -hmm. finding someone that you feel comfortable talking to, you feel comfortable being around and to get a little bit more information to kind of push you in the right direction. Yeah. Is, that mentorship piece is really valuable. I think it is. Yeah. Um, I mean, luckily for me, I had that shop teacher to, to really drive me and push me and, and I could ask questions and feel comfortable asking the questions. I never felt like an idiot. And I think yeah. that's really important to find someone who makes you feel like it's okay to ask questions. And good for you for kind of paying that forward too, right? And being open to passing it on to the next generation too. Absolutely. I love that. That's cool. So it, specifically in welding and fab, what are three, well, three, I was looking down at my next question. What are some skill sets that you think are important um, to develop as they're getting, as people are getting into this area? Are there any specifics like, oh, I wish I should have learned how to do this before this, you know, walk before you run kind of thing? I think that there's some important steps uh, getting into welding and fabricating, um, you know, learning how to use a torch properly. I think that's pretty important. You know, that's, that's something that I, I was happy that I at least knew to have, have that in my pocket, whether it's, you know, whether you're oxyacetylene welding or just cutting air arc, any of those kinds of things, depending on the trade that you're choosing. Like, I mean, if welding and fabricating can be so many different things from the, the, heavier duty form of mining and construction or your the detailed aluminum fabrication and got to kind of be more detailed in different areas. So I think that's a pretty vast, a pretty vast uh, playing field there to, to, to know yeah. what the top three things would be, but, you know, running a torch using a wire feed, I think that's your pretty, your most standard piece of equipment that you could learn to use. And reading a tape measure properly. I think yeah. that's so important to learn how to read a tape measure properly. Because it blows my mind how many people can't. I mean, even still, I have a hard time going from metric to uh, imperial. Yes. But you know, I know I know that. And I know I can look at a tape measure and read it quickly. 
and and properly but yeah I've had a couple people work with me that it's you know that's no no that's not five eights that's not what you were looking at there <laughs> I find some of the students too at, at school some like I know they're they're learning fractions and math then you mm-hmm. get them to the application side and it's like how how do we go over how to read it like I, I don't know yeah. there's some some students and people in general that can pick it up no problem and there's some that really mm-hmm. struggle they talk about okay we got four ticks got three and four ticks and they slowly start to build and it's kind of eye-opening like oh i don't know how how we get around that because it i I hear that from other trades people too like um going to college or something oh they got to make sure or a a job placement or work experience oh they do they know how to read a tape measure oh yeah kind of (laughs) right like it's right up there with like do they have their driver's license right like a basic like yeah these are the skills you need to have and i i mean i'm i'm in a place where i need to be hiring someone and that'll be my oh, cool. first question how well can you read a tape measure because like for me to have somebody that can do you know cutting pickets for my hand railings or like mm-hmm. you know, all that kind of stuff cutting and prepping things for me i i pride myself on precision when i do my work like it's it's pretty important for me so if i have someone work for me they have to have that same precision <laughs> Yeah, I was going to ask you that too. Um, when you're thinking about maybe expanding and you know on the horizon as far as hiring people or, or someone else or get, expanding into a you know a shop or you know like a bigger facility, um, what's on the horizon for you? Oh, I have I have back and forth ideas. Like I, I I'm running out of space where I am. This I know. I'm saying no to work. I'm having to turn down jobs because I just don't have the space. Um, you know, until the weather is nice, I can't, there's a lot of times I can move all my stuff outside mm, yeah. to work on, I do a lot of work on jet boats and, and stuff like that, big ocean boats. So I can do that outside in the nicer weather, but I'm having more asked of me through the winter time. And I mean, even, even right now, I've had to say no to a few jobs because I don't have the space and I don't have the amount of hands I need. <laughs> yeah. I have hired someone to help me with my hand railing installs and, you know, he can, he can do some of the running around for me in order for me to be able to put my time towards the things that I'm that that I'm better at. <laughs> and so that's been really nice. But I do need to find a bigger space. It's hard for me to let go of working from home. I think it's it'll be a good thing, but I still want to be close enough to be here when my kids are here. So that's that's something that whether it's me building a shop on the property. And that's, you know, I'm part of that competition. If I'm doing a competition to win $25,000. And if I win that, then that's what the money will be used for is building a shop on the property. Nice. Yeah. Cause I yeah. guess if you rent somewhere, you know, in town or whatever, it defeats the purpose of you staying at home. The whole yeah. reason you got into things like this, right? Yeah. And I mean, at least for the time being, I mean, my, my two are, uh, eight and 11. And so they're still young enough that I still want to be here with them. Of course. Yeah. Make their lunches and be home when they're running down the driveway. I still want to be part of all that stuff. So it, the, the idea of moving to a different space, you know, I'm a little bit out of town. So having, even having to drive somewhere, (laughs) I don't even want to drive anywhere. (laughs) So I've been, you know what, you know what I've been doing? I've been going around to people's houses that are close to me. And you know, older people and older women that, you know, maybe their husbands had passed away and they had this big shop beside them and just knocking on their doors. So what are you doing with your shop space? You know, you're five doors down from me. Is there any opportunities for maybe renting it from you? And oh, cool. so I've been, 
I've just been reaching and reaching at every straw that I can to see what opportunities. Well, maybe sometimes someone will say, oh, you know what? There's nothing in this shop and I'll rent it to you. So that's cool. <laughs> you never know. Don't know if you don't try. Let's think it outside. Yeah. All you got to do is ask. Yeah. If they say no, it's no. But if you don't ask, you don't know whether it would have been a yes or not. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I think that's an important rule to live by. Yeah. You don't know. <laughs> yeah, be comfortable really be, be comfortable asking too just like you were saying with your shop teacher or people coming in be i find lots of people aren't comfortable asking questions because they yeah. think maybe they're oh that's a stupid question or oh, i don't want to be judged on the question you got to be comfortable yeah. asking questions because everybody starts somewhere and we need to all build like that's how we learn is from asking questions yeah. and doing and seeing and watching so and knowing that there's people out there that love being that for somebody. Yeah. So yep. when I'm in a, when I'm at a new job and I can kind of like read the people around me and saying, okay, who's my who's the comfortable person here that wants to help guide me? Because there's going to be somebody in every job site that's going to want to guide you and help you. And you just got to find that person in any job and be like, hey, you, you're going to be my mentor for this. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, being humble enough to admit that you don't know all, everything. I find, yeah. I find my students, I don't know if it's like social media culture or whatever it is, they come in thinking that, not all of them, there's there's quite a few awesome kids out there, but uh, they're all awesome. But there are, so, there are some kids who come in thinking they know everything because they watch this YouTuber or they follow this person on Instagram. And yeah. but then when it comes down to, you know, laying their first beat or whatever, and then they're like, oh, and it's like... Yeah it's all porous because they forgot to turn on the gas or, you know, yeah. <laughs> this is a stupid little. Hey, we've all done that. I still do that. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but, you know, that little bit, of, well, you didn't ask for help, so you decided yeah. to try it on your own and, and look what happened, okay? So it's okay to ask for help, right? Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Uh, yeah. Another question here. This is one of my favorite ones. Uh, top three tools for starting out. Ooh, top three tools for starting out. I mean, hmm. Well, a grinder. Everybody has to have a grinder. That's a yeah. pretty important one. Um, I mean, a little MIG welder. Like if you're, even you can buy, even you can get those ones at Canadian Tire. And they're super yeah. cheap, but they still, you still can run a beef with them. You still can do the little jobs with them. Yep. So I think that's important. And a good tape measure that's, uh, that's the same on both sides. Because I don't like the tape measures that are imperial on one side and metric on the other side. So you want one that whatever whatever way you're using it, get yep. one that's the same on both sides. <laughs> I agree with that. We've got some uh, imperial metric tape measures at school and you have to put it on the right side of the wood uh, doing skills competitions and it's all in, uh, in metric. And the kids yeah. are just like, oh, I don't want to, I don't know how to line this tape measure up to get the right. It's like, ah, oh, it's so frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> And to get a good tape measure too, because you can buy crappy ones and that the little metal end piece, yeah. it's those things can, you know, sometimes they can stick and that makes a difference of about an eighth of an inch when you're doing something. So making sure you spend the money on a good tape measure. And when you're doing precision, you can't afford an eighth of an inch. No, you cannot. Right? Well, Rachel, it's been, this has been awesome. I want to give you an opportunity to promote everything that you have going on. So your website, your DIY hero, Instagram, what do you got going on? Awesome. Well, I, uh, my Instagram is kind of my main, my main space. I think I, I get to reach out to a lot of people and, and chat with other trades people, which I think is awesome. I try to respond to people as often as I can. 
Um, I share my work, you know, I reach out to the community to ask for help when I need it too. Um, so that's the, that's the space that I, I enjoy being on the most. I do the TikTok thing, but I'm still not great at that, but it is a, a fun little space to work around. Um, but I do have my website. It's www.countrycustomfabricating.com. And on that, I can, I sell, you know, a lot of the smaller items that I make out of horseshoes. Um, I sell t-shirts and hoodies and, and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I, I have my, my sales jar for my merchandise stuff that goes toward a new TIG welder for me. So nice. I'm excited nice. for that. <laughs> um, and I mean, currently I'm, I'm in a competition. Uh, it's called the DIY hero competition. And that's an opportunity to win uh, $25,000 and they do an article, a two page article on you and your business, uh, in the makers magazine, Nice. which is pretty cool. But yeah, that again, that $25,000 would pre be pretty handy <laughs> in order for me to kind of give my business a bit of a boost. Um, yeah, those are, those are kind of the main things. And then of course, Rust Valley restores. If you haven't watched it yet, there's last season, uh, seasons three and four I was a part of. So always check that out as well on the history channel. Yeah. That's a, uh, this is, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank, Thank you, you so really much for having me. All the links, show. all the links for Rachel's, uh, like the social media and the website, everything will be in the description of this. Or <laughs> I always mess that up. This isn't the YouTube. show notes. The show notes. <laughs> Hit that like button. Smash that subscribe button. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rachel, thank you so much. Um, and thank you guys for listening. For all uh, other episodes, show, show notes, and social media links, um, check out the description below. I, I just get mixed up with YouTube all the time. It's all good. <laughs> thank you, everyone, for listening. And we'll see you now on the next one.